change is happening around us, and even in the church, change is happening. You know, they have said this, that 2021 would be a year of great transition in the church. Carrie Newhoff, who is a leadership um, kind of thought leader in the, in the church world right now, he was a pastor in Canada, uh, he has a podcast that has thousands and thousands of followers, he travels around the United States, and a few months back, well actually before 2021 started, he actually said um, with Vanderbloom, which is a, a, like a church group that helps find pastors for different churches and things, they were talking on their podcast and they said 2021 will be the year of the greatest transition in the church that the church has ever seen in regards to staff. They said, we, we just, we're anticipating that 2020, and really that's what we've seen, not only here, here, but even as I talk to other pastors, like there is just a ton of change and transitioning that's happening around. And so as I was thinking about all of that change that was happening, in some ways, I'll be honest, you just get overwhelmed. Because it's like things are changing at a pace that I can't control. Things are changing around me that I don't want to change. Things are happening around us in the season right now where we go, I just started to get relationship with that person. I was talking with someone today and they're like, we just started, the, we just started in small group with the sharps and then, they, and then they're piecing out on us. You know, it's like, I know it's changed. We find ourselves in the midst of these change and we look at this year and we go, man, 2021, a year of great transition. And I remember when I first read that and here's what I said. I was like, well, we were just a little bit advanced because 2020 was a, a year of change for us. So I'm like, we were just leading the way in that only to find this year that we've still had change. And I'm like, oh my goodness, change. And then I started thinking about change actually isn't a negative thing. In fact, if we were unwilling to change, well, that would be actually more detrimental. Like, what if God was actually speaking to Pastor Dan and Krista and saying, I'm calling you to come and be on this team in Oklahoma, and they said, we don't want to change. And let's just say that they said, you know what, our family's all here, and there's been a lot of change that's already been happening on the team at Bethany. We just don't think change is what we're supposed to be a part of right now. And let's just say that Pastor Dan and Krista stayed in the role, but that God's anointing and his calling had actually been released from them for that role. But because we don't want change, we actually keep with just doing the same thing because we don't want the pain of change. What's more detrimental? Is it the change of where God's leading and directing, or is it more detrimental for someone to actually stay in a role and in a position that they're not called to anymore? What, what about you in your workplace? It's interesting because as you do some research, just Google it, you'll find that right now they are saying in the business world as a whole, there will be more change in 2021 in companies than ever before. 
I was talking with Brian Penny about it. They're calling it the great migration of sales professionals. The great migration of sales professionals. Why? Because there's so much change that's happening. Now, I'm not a psychologist. I don't understand all the reasons why, but people who are much smarter than me are actually saying this is a normal thing when you've walked through what we just walked through this last year. Change. I don't know about you, but when they tell me that, I still don't like change. And I actually like change. Right? Every time we bring on a new team member, it's like there's change that's happening. Now there's positive change, but you're also, you're teaching culture. You're talking about this is what's important to us. I'm super excited that Jessica is coming onto the team. Why? Because she's someone that's internal right now. She understands where we've been going and the direction that BKLC has been doing amazing things for years now. She's been a part of the change that was even happening there. And so I'm excited because I believe that in that moment, things will continue just to get even greater. That there are even greater dreams and vision that I know God's been releasing inside of Jessica already that we're going to get to see to be a part of here in the future. I believe that God's been changing things. I'm excited next week I have some announcements that we'll be making about change that's coming to us. But you know what? When that change comes to us, you know what that means? Change for someone else. There's just a lot of change going on. And so as I was thinking about change, I started thinking about what does it look like then to change the world? Do you believe that you can change the world? See, if you think it's you that changes the world, then you'll be rudely mistaken when you realize you can't do any of it. But when you realize that God wants to change the world, you know what that does? That means in the midst of, I don't care what headlines out there. I don't care what President Biden has done or hasn't done. I don't care what group has done or hasn't done. Guess who's still on the throne? It's God. And God, I believe, wants to change the world. I believe that God wants you and I to be a part of an end-time revival, that he wants to pour his spirit out like never before upon the church, the bride of Christ. Come on, that's you and me. Come on. But that's going to require some change. I believe God wants to pour his spirit of compassion upon us like never before. I think, I think good to great and impacts that we've done in the past, we're just scratching the surface of what God is wanting to do here in the near future. And so we're already beginning to pivot things, even in our internal team, with where people are and where they're placed right now. Let's put focus on different things. Why? Because I believe God wants us to be people who are full of compassion like never before. He wants us to be overflowing with his love on a community that is hurting and who is in the midst of change as well. God left heaven, think about that, to come live among us because he realized that if he didn't change, then you and I would be lost. We'd find ourselves in a moment of continuously having to offer sacrifice. We would find ourselves in a work-based culture versus a grace-based culture. But yet God changed, and I'm thankful for that. Jesus cared for the broken. Jesus cared for the poor, the sick, and so can we. And I believe God is calling us to be his hands and feet 
extended. And we don't look at moments of change that happen on our team as moments of God taking from us. We actually see moments of change that happen in our team as God extending us. God's extending us. When Pastor Zach transitioned to Mount Hope and I was talking with Peter Reeves, who's one of the pastors on staff there that Pastor Zach works for, he said this, he said, there has been an instant change in our culture. Kids are excited at what God is doing in and through there. Guess what? We're a part of that. We're a part of kids' lives being changed in Lansing, Michigan. We'll be a part of people's lives being changed in Scottsdale, Oklahoma. Why? Because God is saying, listen, it's not just about Adrian and Michigan. It's about what I'm wanting to do around the nation and around the world. And so, yeah, Jesus came to get messy, didn't he? He came to get messy physically, emotionally, spiritually, socially. He came to get messy. And so should we. And in the midst of the change, we have to be willing to continue to trust God. We have to be willing to say, God, I'm going to continue dreaming dreams. God, I'm going to continue to be a part of seeing this world changed. Trust, dream, change the world. All those things, we process through that in the midst of moments like these. And trust me, as a leader, I sit here and I go, okay, there's change, there's change, there's change happening. And I actually am one who is okay with change. I don't necessarily know as I've gotten older that I actually like change as much because there is something about a routine, isn't there? Come on, all my older people in the house, you know what I'm talking about. Because as I've gotten older, I'm like, oh, there is a reason why I like that. Well, there's a restaurant we go to called Plancha. In fact, this is a secret. I shouldn't tell you this, but I'll tell you the secret because I love you. I love you. If you're ever in Orlando and you want a great meal at a great price, you can go to the Four Seasons. And now you're like, whoa, that's, that's expensive. Yes, I'm not saying stay there. because I mean, it's great if you can stay there, but But their golf course, I know this sounds crazy, their golf course restaurant is called Plancha. And they have the most amazing guacamole in the entire world that I've ever had. And they have these fried pita chips that you dip inside of it, and it's like heaven. I I believe when you get to heaven, St. Peter will greet you at the gate with this guacamole and one of those chips, and he'll say, welcome in. And you'll eat it, and you'll be like, (gasps) and then if you don't make it to heaven what will happen is is you'll be there and they'll be like you're going to hell and they'll show you those chips and they'll say but you can't have them you can't have them and and you won't get the non-chips and the guacamole Um, i'm telling you those chips are life-changing i literally go down to orlando florida just to get those chips and guacamole. Um, I don't, but they are really good. And they're only 10 bucks. Come on now. Holla! Come on. You can eat there for like a really good price at Plancha. So anyways, that's a secret. I shouldn't have told you that because I like it. There's not a lot of people there because it's a secret. And not not a lot of people know about it because they think that, anyways. So let me get back to my notes. What does it mean? What does it mean to change? Webster defines change as to make radically different, to give a different position, course, or direction to. 
if the world is constantly changing and COVID has kind of accelerated change in us, and really that's what we're seeing in the business world. I've read so many articles about it. They, they just talk about COVID put everyone on pause. And then what happened is, is in the midst of pause, people just began evaluating many things in their life. And in the evaluation process, they said, I think it's time for some change. And what's happening now is a lot of those things that were put in motion in their minds back then are now being put into motion and action. Change. Our culture is in the midst of change, isn't it? Political change, social change, economic change, changes in Israel, changes in our schools. COVID has changed things. Bethany as a church has been in the midst of change. And it's easy in the midst of change to respond like this. Sometimes in the midst of change, what we want to do is we want to shut down the change. And so we say, I'm just going to shut down. Some of us in the midst of change stop trusting others. We go, well, I'm just not going to get close to anybody because anyone I get close to just leaves me. Some of us in the midst of change are like, we just back off. We just kind of pull back and we say, you know what, I'm just going to dip for a little bit. No big deal. I'm just going to dip away for a little bit. Some of us in the midst of change actually stop dreaming. And here's what I know is that in the midst of change, the enemy loves to have a heyday with you and me. Because if he can get you to actually take the foot off of the gas pedal and just begin to coast, he knows that you begin to open yourself up. You may say, well, Pastor Brian, open myself up to what? Well, here's what I'll say. Many times idleness actually creates in us moments of wandering. We let our mind wander. We let, we let our thoughts wander in the midst of seasons like this of, that are changed. And yet I believe God is actually calling us to be a part of the change. That God actually wants to see change. That God's been preparing and bringing people in. And listen, just as he calls people away, he calls people too. And we have an amazing team of people. Let me re just remind you of just some of the amazing people that God has given us here. When I think of Amanda and Jeremiah Mauricio and just how God brought them here to our team, and she just does an amazing job leading at a high-level, executive level for our church. I mean, so much so that her spreadsheets like, are talked about and famed about across the entire district among other pastors and stuff. We have, she's amazing on that. I think of Bryce and Anna and just the amazing job that they're doing down in students. I mean, just doing just an amazing, amazing job there. I think about like that steady wisdom inserting into every situation Pastor Ron and Jen Sparks. Like God's just continuously using them and pouring them into our team. I, I think about Pastor Eric and Darlene and what God's just been doing as he brought them here and, and just, just all the pieces that are there. I think about Tim and Shelly and just what God's been doing in and through their lives as they're creating community. And it's interesting because they're remodeling an old farmhouse for them to live in. But at the same time, I'm just watching 
watching God just continue to remodel things in their lives. And God's been preparing Tim and putting him into these moments where dreams that God's placed inside of him are, are going to be coming to pass. Like I, I think about those things. I think about Sarah who was just up here hosting earlier and her husband Brandon and just the joy and energy she brings. I mean, she's literally doing camp songs on a Sunday morning to get us engaged in that moment, right? Like God is just bringing in these amazing team members here to Bethany that we get to be a part of. And I can't wait here in the future to announce more team members that God is bringing. And guess what? In the midst of all of that, it's change. It's change. But the beauty of change is, is that there is one thing that never changes, and that's God. I mean, we're reminded in the Old Testament, it says this in Malachi 3.6, I, the Lord, do not change. That's good. We're reminded in the New Testament, it says James 1.7, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to what? Change. Like there's no change that's found in him. And as we're wrapping up this series today called Battle Plans, we're looking at how in the midst of the change, our battle is not how many times we think. It's not a battle against flesh and blood. It's actually a battle against principalities and rulers in high places. Ephesians 6.10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Listen, the devil is not your friend. He hasn't backed off. He's still attacking. Someone this morning told me this. She said, you know, I started serving down in students, and I love it. I love what God's doing down in students. And she's like, and Pastor Bryce is just amazing. She was saying that. And then she said this. She's like, and you know what? It's been really tough since I said I wanted to serve in there. I've had a lot of attacks. And then all of a sudden, you just watch her stop, and she starts processing. And she goes, and you know what? That's kind of normal, isn't it? That in the midst of me taking a step for the Lord, that there would be attacks from the enemy. Yes. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, the scriptures say, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So how do we, in the midst of change, fight? We sang that song earlier, This is how I find my battles. And like some of us are like, okay, so does that mean every time I go into a battle, like I just need to worship? Maybe. But what if it was even simpler than that? What if in the midst of this moment we just realized what God was already doing? In fact, let, let me remind you of some things. God does care. God does restore. God does heal. God does forgive. God does provide. God does set free. God does create. God does model. God does enable. God does call. God does build. God does value. God does reconcile. God does give. God does plan. God does love. I could keep going on about all the things that God does in the midst of change. God's continuously doing those things. And when we read in the pages of Scripture, and we're even reading here throughout Judges, and what we see is God's people doing what? Following after God. God's blessings upon them. And then what do they do? They turn from God. And then they, it's like this roller coaster experience in their lives. And you're like, dude, come on. 
We were just soaping with Samson, and I mean, one of the most famous Bible stories because, why? Samson has super strength. But if you look at the story of Samson, it's like he trusts God in these moments. You're like, dude, he's okay, Samson's doing good. And then all of a sudden, Samson's like, he sees a prostitute, and he's like, ooh, I like that prostitute. I'm going to give in to my flesh because why? Because I like that prostitute. And the scriptures, you know, say that he goes in and hangs out with the prostitute. And listen, even though it doesn't say what he's doing, he's going and hanging out with the prostitute. It's not, he's not telling her about Jesus. And you can sit there and go, here's this man who has everything going for him, and yet he keeps falling back into these patterns of sin. And then even in the end, though, we see Samson say this, God, if you could just one last time, just one last time, allow your strength to come upon me so I could avenge. And what does God do? Shows his grace one last time. I am so thankful for God's grace. I'm so thankful that the Bible is not just some random book of 66 chapters, but it's actually one giant story, one God narrative of what God does. And guess what? It's filled with a ton of change. In fact, this is going to be a real simple message today, and you're going to walk away, and you're going to go, really? This is it? This is it. Here we go. If you have your Bibles, open up to Exodus. Exodus chapter 14, and we're going to look at verse 14. Exodus 14, verse 14. Let me set this table for you for a minute. We're talking about Moses, who has gone to Pharaoh, the plagues have happened. If you don't know much about the story of Moses, I want to encourage you this week to read about it. You can read earlier in, in Exodus. But basically what we see is God has called Moses to lead the people of Israel out of slavery, captivity from Pharaoh. And they find themselves in this moment where they've been delivered, the plagues have happened, it's been this miraculous moment, and all of a sudden they find themselves at the Red Sea and they find themselves in a place that seems impassable. And in the place of the impassable thing that lies in front of them, God is actually going to provide a miracle. But it's in the midst of that where it's easy to get focused on what's coming up behind them. Because they, Pharaoh had let the people go, but now Pharaoh has changed his mind and the army's coming charging and people are freaking out and they're all saying, you just brought us out here in the desert to die and I can't believe this. And everyone's turning on the leader who actually called them out because they see an obstacle in front of them that seems bigger than life itself and they see an obstacle that's coming at them from behind and in their minds, they have no fix to the problems that are around them. And I can relate a lot to the children of Israel and I can relate a lot to Moses. Because sometimes it feels like there are obstacles that are ahead that seem bigger than life themselves and then it seems like there's obstacles from behind and things that I thought were there that keep creeping back up and it's like, oh man, what is going on? And God's like, hey Brian, I'm going to give you the key in the midst of the change. I do not change. And I'm the one that can split the Red Sea, and I'm the one that can surround them by fire. I'm the one that can take care of everything, so just look to me. And so here we go, Exodus 14. This is the big idea for today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. 
The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Now listen, I don't know what thing you're facing today. I don't know what obstacle. I don't know what change is in front of you. I I honestly don't. But here's what I know is that this passage of Scripture literally can be applied to everything in your life. That the Lord will fight for you and all you have to do is be still. And I started thinking about this. What does it mean to be still? It means to stop trying to figure it out. Right? Because isn't that what we do? In the midst of change, in the midst of things that are happening around us, we want to do what? We want to grab a hold of things and make sure that we're in control. We want to push things forward. We want to make things happen. And God's like, no, listen, just remember, I'm the one who fights for you, and all you got to do is be still. So what is it today that you need to be still in? It's interesting because God constantly is using people in the scriptures that don't ever make sense on paper. (laughs) I mean, look at any of the 12 disciples, and none of those guys would have been, you know, the most likely to succeed as one of Jesus' closest disciples. No one would have been like, oh yeah, Peter, oh yeah, yeah, that dude. No, no one picked Peter. No one picked John. No one picked James. No one would have picked Andrew or Philip or Bartholomew or Matthew or Thomas or or Thaddeus or James or John. None of those guys would have been picked. Why? Because they were ordinary people, fishermen, tax collectors. I mean, they were just ordinary, everyday guys, business owners. One was a revolutionary. I mean, like, these were not the dudes that... Anyone would have picked and said, oh yeah, those will be the closest to Jesus. But yet, that's who Jesus picks. And I constantly keep coming back to, you know, maybe you feel a lot like the disciples. Where you're like, I don't feel like I would ever get picked. And in the midst of change, instead of stepping up in the moment and putting yourself on the front line and saying, you know what, I'm here, I'll do God whatever you ask me to do. Some of us are tempted to just run and fall back. But God is actually calling us to the front line because God is the one that does it. It's God who does it. That's why we can trust that in the midst of this moment that the Lord will fight for us and all we have to do is be still. Because who turns weakness into strength? God does. (laughs) Who produces greatness from nothing? God does. Who restores the broken and the hurting? God does. Who heals? God does. Who supplies for all of our needs according to his riches and glory? God does. Who in the midst of change actually is unchanging? God. Who has great plans for Bethany? I believe God does. Who loves you as his own? God does. Who wants to see the city of Adrian and Lenaway County restored and saved and have a relationship with him? God does. Who does far more abundantly than we could ever imagine or guess or request beyond our wildest dreams? God does. Who's not caught off guard? By anything that's happened, 
in the past few years? God. So write this down. This is, this is the big idea for today. It's really simple. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need to only be still. I relate a lot to David. And um, when I think about King David and just what God called him to do and the restoration that he was to bring and just how he was able to prepare things for Solomon. And one of the things that you'll notice is like, I'm, I'm really drawn towards bringing in young leaders onto our staff. And you'll see that. And part of the reason is, is because I want to give ministry away to the next generation. I want to be the, the shoulders that the next generation stands upon. I'm not intimidated by them. I'm not intimidated by their crazy ideas. I'm actually inspired by their crazy ideas. I believe that God wants to reach the next generation through the next generation. When I think about my daughter serving downstairs as the interim kids pastor, trust me, everything inside of me is like, man, I just, I want to keep her here. I'm like, you can stay, Jordan. But here's the thing. It kind of comes back to what I was saying earlier. If God has called her to be a nurse and to do those things that she's feeling God's calling her to do, for me to keep her here as much as I would want her to be here would be wrong. It would not be allowing her to be who God's called her to be. And so in the fall, we're going to send her back to college. I've got my youngest, or not my youngest, but my middle son, Gabe, going down to Southeastern. Like he's going to be down there and he's going to be studying in business and he's going to be training with some incredible business leaders down there and at the school. And I think about my job as a parent is not to hold my kids. My job is to prepare my kids. And so I believe the church, we have got to change our, our thoughts. How can we actually prepare the next generation underneath us to go and do ministry? Do you know across America there are churches that are closing? And you know why they're closing? Because they're filled with a bunch of old people. And I'm not being disrespectful to older people. It's just the older generations didn't in those churches give ministry to the younger generation. They, they, they said things like, I don't like the way that music sounds or the style there. I don't like the flashing lights. I don't like the smoke or I don't like... And those are just methods. I'm just picking on things that I know I've heard from people around here. Um, that people don't like, you know, but, but I'm just saying, like, it's never been about those things. It's been about, like, hey, how can we put ministry in the hands of the next generation? If you saw the things that Pastor Bryce did for the messy Summer Olympics on Wednesday night, some of you are like, dude, that is disgusting. They, like, they took, some of the kids said it was, they literally had made a ton of extra eggs and sausage at the men's breakfast for Father's Day. And Pastor Bryce said, this is my opportunity. And so all week long, those eggs and sausage stayed in the refrigerator. And then they put them on the slimy obstacle course. And kids climbed through eggs and sausage that smelled and ugh. Dude, it was gross. And you can sit there and you can think, Pastor Bryce, what were you thinking? 
but every student had a great time. And they loved it. And some of them didn't participate. Like, I'm not saying everyone, but I mean, it's, it's a different method. And all I'm trying to say is in the midst of a season where we can really struggle with change, God is saying, I am the one who doesn't change. And though the methods change, even though team members change, in the midst of those things, I'm the one that doesn't change. So let me fight your battles. Let me be the one who fights for you. All you got to do is just be still. David wrote it this way in Psalms 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. Now it's interesting because he Many scholars would tell us that they believe he wrote that during a time of a war. It's like, stop striving. Stop, stop trying to be the one that figures it all out. And just be the one who recognizes in the midst of the change who God is. Be still and know that he is. Stop stressing about the battle ahead and, or battle ahead and trust him. He's saying, wake up, I'm the Lord, I'm the refuge, I'm the one who actually fights for you, so just be still. Just wait. I'm your refuge, I'm your strength. You have nothing to fear when I am with you, so I will fight your battles. I will be the one. When we sing that song, this is how my fight, I fight my battles, do you recognize we're not in any type of battle? We're actually fighting the battle through what? Through the Spirit. By just resting. Be patient. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. In the midst of the conflict, in the midst of life's turmoils, in the midst of change, in the midst of things you can't control, in the midst of all the things that are happening around you, maybe what we need to do is stop, open our eyes up, and recognize who is fighting the battle for us. In the midst of the chaos, there's peace. In the midst of the change, there's a firm foundation. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And the Lord's been challenging me on this because he's been challenging me with, Brian, can you be still? <laughs> like literally just to stay still here in this moment. Not to move, not to pace, not... Like, I'm so used to change happening around me that when the Lord's like, hey, listen, remember, I fight this thing for you. And all you got to do is be still. It means I really, what it boils down to is that I have to trust. And isn't that the hardest, actually? See, the reason why many times in the midst of change we tend to hold on to things and want to control things is because it's hard to trust. One of my wife's favorite verses is found in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through six, and it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Well, what do we do in the midst of change? We trust. How do we trust? We remain still. 
when I was asking the Lord, God, how do, how do we close this? How do I bring people to a response? I felt like the Lord said, just remind them of this simple truth today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And I was like, okay, got it. The Lord's going to fight for us, and all we have to do is remain still. And then I felt like the Lord led me to the song, and it actually talks about being still before the Lord. And so today we're going to close the gathering with this song. And I don't want you to get up. I don't want you to like, you know, bust out of here or anything like that. I, I'm just going to ask you if you could just sit still for just a few. And I know some of you are like, dude, I've been holding it a long time. I know, supernatural holding strength upon you. <laughs> okay. But they're going to play this song, and here's what I want you to do. Some of you, you're going to, maybe you're just going to close your eyes, and you're just going to reflect on what's going on in your life right now, and you're just going to be still. Others of you are going to watch the lyrics come across the screen, and you're going to really think about these lyrics and allow them to be something spoken over your life, over your marriage, over your finances, over your children, over your workplace. I really believe God is reminding us that it's him who fights in all of those arenas. Our work, our health, our mental, our emotional, our marriages, our families. The Lord is the one who fights for us. And the question is, is just, will you remain still? So let's just remain still for a few. Let the song be played over us. And then I'll wrap it up at the end.
experiencing right now there is something beautiful that happens in the waiting there's something beautiful that happens when we simply say Father it's you that fights the battle and we're just going to be still God, I recognize that there are individuals in this room, individuals that are watching online and participating that way, others who will even view this later, 
breakthrough, who need healing, who need restoration. There are marriages that only you can restore right now. There is health that only you can restore. There's emotions that only you can restore. And Father, I believe that you want to do a work in and through your people. As we simply say, the Lord fights for me and I'll just remain still. Father, this week, may you continue to speak to us through your word. May it not just be a duty. May it not just be a religious action. But may it literally be something that we say every time I go to God's word, I'm constantly reminded of how he fights for me and how I can just simply remain still. So as David prayed, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And cast not your presence away from me. Father, may that be our heart's cry. Renew us, creating us a clean heart. Allow us to simply be still. In whatever circumstances we're facing, just to be still and to trust that you are fighting for us. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this simple truth. And I thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us, but you walk with us in every season. So this week, walk with us, I pray. In the name that is above all their names, the name of Jesus, we all would agree by saying, Amen. Amen.